Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit celebrationchurchlive.com. Uh, well, today we kick off uh, a new series. We're going to be spending the next eight weeks uh, kind of digging into this idea um, that we're just going to call Right at Home. Uh, if you've been around Celebration Church for a while, you know that I love wordplay and puns and all the dad joke stuff. And so this Right at Home uh, is about being correct at home, let things be the way God wants them to be, right at home. And with that, um, it's very much um, my heart as a pastor to help you to take another step forward in that. You're, you're already doing something amazing and that's setting aside a part of your Sunday to gather and to connect. And I wanna, I wanna commend you for that. It is absolutely remarkable that you are prioritizing this moment. And there are many of you who are involved in small groups and connecting with those, with those and that's fantastic and wonderful. But I know that the meat of your life in God isn't about this meeting. It isn't about your small group meeting. It's about your everyday. And this meeting and your small group meeting are there to help you in your everyday, in your 24 seven life, your life that gets lived out of your home. And things have to be right there. And for things to really blossom the way God wants them to blossom. This is a great starting point, a great helpful point. I'm glad you're here. But we want to see that begin to cascade and move into a bigger space in your life. So if you've got your bulletin, your Bible app, however it is you're going to track, that we're leading off with this idea that to make things right at home, we must choose daily to serve the Lord. We must choose daily to serve him. And I chose the word Lord because Lord is him being the boss, him being the one in charge, him, him leading. And we've got to make that choice daily. And we're going to dip into that a little deeper in just a minute. But the beautiful truth that God's mercies are new every morning, it's essential. It's, it's, it's strategic because guess what? We need God's mercies new every morning. We have to make new decisions, new choices every day. And praise God, he had mercies for yesterday. Praise God for that. But we can't live out of yesterday's decisions. We have to, we can build on yesterday's decisions, but we can't live out of them. We have to make decisions today. And as your pastor, I do. I, I, I would love it if you could just have one moment that you just, man, you just make one good decision for God and things just coast along. But how sad would that be? That would not, that's not indicative of a relationship with him. God's called us to live connected with him, not have one beautiful moment and then walk away, but to live in a place of a relationship with him. And so you and I, we've, we're to, called to choose him every, every day. Called to choose him every day. And the reason for this space is because there are things that, your daily life affect, your daily choices are setting up your life. Praise God, this is one of your weekly choices and I love it. But your daily choices are setting up your life. And a lot of times we would think that 
our main problems are external, that there are things that happen that get things sideways. And sometimes there certainly are, but a lot of it happens internally. And we need to get that fixed to allow the Holy Spirit to fix that first. Um, it's funny enough, um, uh, Pastor Keenan um, texted our family group text this morning. They're now in Tennessee. Uh, we were, Cutie and I were there last week helping them get settled in. And um, for whatever reason, um, the Tennessee interstate system is neglected. There are crazy, crazy potholes all down the interstate system of Tennessee. And in, in fact, he texted us last night or this morning that last night that on the way home from something, they hit a pothole on the interstate, flattened their tire because the pothole was so big and then had to leave their car, made it home at one in the morning. And then they were, he was there showing us a picture of the tow truck picking their car up uh, this morning. And that sometimes there are just external things that take place, but it was kind of, it's kind of funny that he hit something and lost air in his tire and I was already planning to share this story that I was gonna share um, this morning. And so um, whenever I was uh, in, in high school, uh, I had to decided that me and my buddy, we were, gonna, we were gonna do a little street racing with one another. And so, uh, of course, this is well before Fast and the Furious. And, and I really think, you know, that the screenwriter for Fast and the Furious may have been in Odessa that day and kind of watching what was happening on the mean streets of Odessa, Texas. And um, but really, it would have been a totally different movie. It, it would have been the slow and the pathetic. And so <laughs> it would not have been. And so, and uh, though, but... But with, in that space, um, I had a, a car or truck that had no business racing anything. Um, and so, but my friend drove what I believe to be a sadder car than me. So we were going to basically have the race of the slow vehicles and we were gonna street race our slow vehicles because I was the only thing he could beat and he was the only thing I could beat. And so we're there driving down and most streets in Odessa have normal curbs, um, but this one street um, was part of the drainage system there in Odessa when they get rains two times a year. And so, and it just was really wide and it was deep veed and it has super high curbs to handle the water. So we're racing along and going along there and I'm just being an absolute idiot and driving along and then I'm gonna I'm about to win but we've got to go around a little bit of a curve and he's going to just edge me out and starts edging me towards the towards the curb and so I you know I in all my racing knowledge which was nothing um, you know I end up making the wrong move, I hit the curb at full speed, it bends my rim, lets all the air out of my tire, I'm stuck there, and I was totally freaked out that my, my dad was gonna be super mad at me. Somehow we got the air back in the tire, the bead held, and I was able to just drive with a bent rim from, from that point on. The problem was, is that I didn't only bend the rim, I just annihilated the alignment on that truck and it was just it was horrible so you try to drive it forward and if you let go of the steering wheel it would just turn right all by itself and it's not an exaggerate it would just turn right and, and so if it had enough horsepower I could have just let go and done donuts but it, it wouldn't spin out <laughs> it was too weak so I just go around like a, like a little uh, merry-go-round and it, it was just sad but but I, to drive, um, I was not about to tell my dad that anything had happened. So I'm just 
covering it up. I'm just like moving forward with my life and driving straight like this and just having to muscle through it because if I relax just a little bit, man, it was just gonna, it was just gonna pop to the right. It was just, it was just gonna create, create problems. And I just, I just lived with that, that to go straight, to get where I needed to go, I had to just keep all of this energy and focus fo- completely engaged. I could not relax at all. And the truth is there's so many people who've tried doing their relationship with God that way. Had somebody point out, this is the way life is supposed to live, read their Bible, I'm supposed to act this way and be this way and respond this way, but not allowed the root thing on the inside to get dealt with and just tried to do this Christian life, just grinding it out just with willpower saying, you know what, I can just keep moving this direction. And the truth is that's exhausting. That when you just let up just for a second, everything goes off the rails, it's exhausting. And maybe, maybe that's been you. Maybe that's been your experience. Maybe you're even here this morning and you had tried in the new year, like, you know what? I'm gonna get back in church. I'm, I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna do better. I know what, what it looks like to be a good Christian and I, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. And you're already exhausted. You're already tired. And I'm here to tell you, you're not called to live it out like that. You're not called to, but to get things fixed, to get things properly done right. Sometimes it's gonna require an uncomfortable conversation. I didn't wanna talk to my dad. I didn't wanna tell him I'd wrecked it. I didn't wanna tell him that. So I just drove it, just drove it weird. I didn't want to have to pause and have my truck in the shop and ask for rides from other people and all those different things. It was just, it was not convenient thing. And there are times that for us to let God do what he needs to do so that we can leave this out. Sometimes we have to put things on pause so that we can actually go full speed. Because if we just try to limp along, that is not what God has called us to. And the place where the real fixes need to happen are in our everyday life. They're in our everyday life, in our everyday choices. And that's what he wants to address and that's what he wants to fix. We're gonna look at Joshua chapter 24. And Joshua chapter 24 is the last chapter of Joshua. Um, If you're not familiar with Joshua, Joshua is the guy who takes over after Moses. Uh, Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt, um, got them delivered out of that. There's this whole nation had come out of the slavery of Egypt. Um, They weren't quite ready to fully trust God and they end up wandering in the desert uh, for 40 years. And Joshua's part of that crew and Then Joshua, because Moses makes some mistakes and Moses doesn't get to go in the promised land and Joshua takes over and he gets to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. They cross the Jordan River, they go in and they begin to take the land and there's battles and all sorts of things. And Joshua has lived out his calling by the time we get to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua's lived it out. He's seen God do the miraculous from from Egypt to the, to the desert, to, to coming into the, the promised land. The promised land's been divided. And now in this speech, when he's talking to the people of Israel, he's letting them know, I, I've done my role. 
God's brought you into this, this space to live, the promised land. You're in the promised land. But there's still a space for you to engage with God. It can't just all land on Joshua. He's handing it off to the people as individual families. And he says this in verse 15. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. He says, I'm making the decision right here and right now, we're gonna serve God. And you know what? It would have looked like that Joshua had already had this great track record of serving God, that he wouldn't have to make a fresh declaration. He's the one who's just led the people of Israel. He's been hand chosen by God. God had a conversation with Joshua, told him at the beginning of Joshua, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. You're now gonna take over. Joshua is, is, is legit. And here in this space, Joshua doesn't live on all of his previous decisions and what God has done. Joshua is demonstrating for them what they're all gonna have to do. I choose, me and my household, we're gonna serve God. That we're moving forward with God. We're not just grateful he got us out. We're gonna invite him fully in. And we are going to serve God in the, this space. But he opens up with this thing. If serving the Lord seems undesirable, he leads out with this idea that is serving God even something you want? Is it desirable to you? Is it something you think about? Is it something you want? Is it something that when it's presented, you're like, yes, that's what I want. I want to serve God. Is it desirable to you? But he flips it and says, if it seems undesirable. Because see, Joshua already knows it's desirable. He's lived it out. He's done it. He's followed God. They're living in the fruit of him knowing it's desirable to follow God. But he's like, you know what? It may seem undesirable. And sometimes we battle with that. We battle with this little lens that comes in and makes it somehow seem less than to follow God. Eh, maybe I'm gonna miss out on some fun. Maybe I'm gonna miss out on some friends. Maybe I'm not gonna be able to advance my business the way I wanna advance my business if I really serve God. That there's some space where it seems undesirable. Joshua already knows going full in with God is the way to live. But he knows it might seem undesirable to them. And he says, you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And there were two points of tension. He says, either the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates things that have been a part of your family tree for years can pull at you. They can begin to pull you away from God. Or 
the God of the Amorites in whose land you live, the current culture around them. And there are two core things pulling at us today. It's either the flow of our current culture or the way things had always been done in our family. And there's this pull and like, am I going to serve God? Or am I gonna get pulled into the old habits, the old patterns that have always existed? Or what culture says is current? Or am I gonna choose? And then Joshua just leads by example. Says, me and my household, we're gonna serve God. We're gonna serve because we have to choose. We have to choose each day. As we look at Psalm 127, Psalm 127 is one of the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent are a really cool little group of Psalms and they're all short. Um, They're written to be easily memorized and kept in your heart. And there are Psalms of Ascent about going up and it is about what they would say, they would repeat these Psalms as they were going up the steps to worship at the temple. And there were these steps as they would go up and as they were ascending, they would just begin to recite one of these Psalms, whichever one happened to kind of be prominent on their heart. And so, and it would just help get them in the right worship headspace as they were going to connect with God. Well, this particular Psalm, Psalm 127, is written by King Solomon. Now, if you remember your Bible history, King Solomon is the one king that God said, you know what, ask me for anything. And King Solomon said, you know what, I want wisdom to lead your people. And God told him, he said, you could have asked for riches and I'd have given it. You could have asked for victory over your enemies and I'd have given it. But because you didn't ask for personal victory, you didn't ask for fame, you didn't ask for riches, but you asked for wisdom. I'm gonna give you wisdom and you're you're actually gonna get all those other things included. And Solomon ends up becoming, through the wisdom God gave, just an incredibly successful king. In fact, other kingdoms would send people to check out how he functioned. And he writes a bunch of the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. He writes a bunch of the scriptures, but this is a Psalm of Ascent he wrote. So this is something that was very personal to him. And so as this man who is the wisest man to ever live, as he is walking up to worship God, this is an example of what he would do, what he would say, what he wanted on his mind as this guy who had the pinnacle of everything. It wasn't a guy who was trying to achieve everything. He had everything. And he's walking up to serve God and to connect with God. And these are his words. He says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. He says, unless God is involved in in it, it's pointless. He's reminding himself in the middle of all his splendor, in the middle of all his success, if God is not in the middle of it, if God's not doing it, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I want God in the middle of it. And these two things are are building and protecting. Unless God builds, unless God protects. And you'll find that a bunch of your energy and everything you value are with those two motivations. You want to build it and you want to protect it. 
You want to build your family. You want to protect your family. You want to build your finances. You want to protect your finances. You want to build your health. You want to protect your health. You want to build your reputation. You want to protect your reputation. Everything you value, those two things are involved in. And Solomon said, unless God's involved, you're just spinning your wheels. It's pointless. It's pointless. So there's this space where you and I, we, we don't want that. We don't want pointlessness. We, we want to invite God into this. And so there's this tension. There's this thing within us that we, we feel that right turning tendency, that thing's going to take us in the ditch. And there's a space. It's there's something inside that's off. It needs to be renewed. It needs to be healed. It needs to be restored. And there was a promise made, a prophetic promise in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. And says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them and I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. This was a promise of the new birth. This was a promise of the work that Jesus would accomplish that we would be able to be a new creation according to the scriptures and that that would be the transformation. It would be a transformation that starts on the inside and begins to shift. So if we're going to invite God into our home for things to be set up right at home, we have to let him begin to shift and lead us out of the new heart he's given us. And if you're a child of God, you have that new heart. It's yours. We just, which one are we going to lean on? Are we going to lean on the new heart? Or are we going to lean on the old hard heart? The old thing that we're used to functioning in. And real quick, as we are going to close out I want to look at three things that kind of help give us some insight on maybe which one we're leaning on. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we're not super conscious. And the first one is the words we speak. The words we speak will give us some insight into what's going on, whether we're leaning on God's heart, the new heart that he's given us or our old heart. And Jesus writes in or speaks in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, he says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give, um, that men will have to give an account on the days of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. Our words matter. They reveal, they're revealing our heart. Whether or not we're leaning on that new heart of, of flesh, that tender heart towards God, or we're not, we're, we're leaning on the old hard heart. And our words will just tell us. It'll just reveal it how you talk about your daily life, how you talk about work. And I get it. We, we need to process our frustrations and talk about the things that aren't going right. And I'm not saying that you can never say anything negative or talk about that when things are hard, we should. But your words will show whether or not you just feel like that you're just caught in a mess or that there is a, something that God is doing and he's, he's got a promise that he is moving you towards. 
the way we talk about it, the words we choose will show what's happening in our heart. If we're just always talking about how terrible our boss is, how terrible our coworkers are, all of those different things, and there's no promise, there's no plan of God, there's no anything else that's in there, then maybe we need to invite God into our hearts in that area of the way we see our coworkers in those spaces. We, it's same thing with our families, same thing with ourselves. The truth is, I'm not a guy who just randomly calls people an idiot, except on the highway sometimes. They didn't hear me, they didn't know, but God knew. And then I always repent. I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. I know you didn't make any idiots, but that one seemed like an idiot. I know it wasn't accurate, but just seemed that way. And, uh, but the truth is, is I can be really free with the idiot word with myself. I can be really free with it. There's a place where I will catch myself and I'll be doing something or something will go wrong. And I just, just to me, go, idiot. And man, the Holy Spirit a few years ago just convicted me. He said, don't talk to m- about my son like that. Lord, your son's stupid. <laughs> so, and I'm just like, I, I frustrate me so many times. And it's just, and, I, and what the Holy Spirit revealed is in those spaces where I would be hard on me and I would call myself an idiot and I would get so frustrated, it revealed that I was putting all the pressure on me to perform, on me to do it right, on me to cover all the bases. It wasn't this place that I was like, I'm trying to pursue what God has. I'm leaning on his strength. I'm following him. No, I know what needs to happen. I know how it needs to go. And I'm just messing it up. It revealed the way I talked about me. Revealed that I was leaning on me too much. I wasn't leaning on him. I wasn't trusting in him. He's like, you know what? You'd be a lot kinder to yourself if you just give me the reins, you'd be a lot kinder to you if you'd let me lead. And my words were a big indicator of where things were going on that front. Another place is the way we use our resources. And our resources certainly are our money, but it's also our time and our talent. And the way we do that, it's, it reveals it. If an investigator, you know, FBI, somebody wants to get into your head and know how you tick and what's going on, of course, they'll act, ask your neighbors and check your social media profiles and those things. But one of the things they for sure want to do is be able to access your bank records. They want to see where your money goes. And by looking at where your money goes, how you spend it, what you do, all of a sudden your priorities are revealed. Every time you spend money, there's something that is you deem necessary, you deem important, is being, being played out. And there's a space where somebody does a deep dive into Brandon Clark's finances and they're gonna see Brandon Clark likes to eat. And it's when they're gonna see like, uh, there's a lot of Chick-fil-A and roses and canes and they're, 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 gonna, they're gonna see, you know, that Brandon Clark probably needs to go to the grocery store more and out to eat less. So there's some H-E-B, but not enough H-E-B. And so, and see that, they'll just see that. They'll see that Brandon Clark um, doesn't prioritize the gym. <laughs> so he ain't spending a lot of money on gym memberships or, or, uh, or any kind of 
supplements or anything like that. They're like, you know, Brendan, that's, that's not a priority to him. And so, but hopefully they would also see that my kids are a priority. I, I, I think that if they would do a deep dive, they would see that my kids are a priority and that they would see hotel rooms and things where I'd prioritize taking my wife out to eat and out to town and spending time with my wife and see that, okay, there's some money being spent there. That's, there's, that's value that see that on the places that Brandon values the kingdom of God and there's some, some spaces of generosity. There's some things and that there's some places where maybe Marshall's gets too much money and, and, and Amazon certainly gets too much money and those different things and I probably don't need all, all the streaming services and those different spaces. It would begin to reveal what was going on and letting the Holy Spirit talk to you in those, not from a condemning place, but in a revealing place. Like, have, I, have I, he been invited in? Has he been invited into those spaces? And Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, says, for where your treasure is, there, there your heart will be also. It's not a command that your heart needs to be where your treasure is. It's the fact. You cannot disconnect them. Where your treasure is, your heart is there. So if you want to know where your heart is, look to see where your resources go. Is there a place where you're putting some money aside and have some savings accounts and trying to have a, set up an, an inheritance to your children's children? There's a place of honoring God and living below your means and putting some stuff aside and building some generational wealth. We're called to that. But then there can be a place where it's reflective that we're being driven by fear and we're not doing it out of trusting God, we're doing it out of trusting ourselves and our hoard and our stack of money. And you know what, when it's all said and done, I gotta take care of me. Looking at that and inviting him into those spaces, it will reveal that Luke 12, 29 says, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. And do not worry about it. Why? Because whatever you set your heart on, your concerns, your worries will end up finding their way connected with it. The third thing is, is the passion with which we live. The passion. Do you have any passion for life? And there is an epidemic of anxiety and depression in, this, in America right now. It's just, it's just everywhere. And the statistics are that church people are no different. And there's an assignment. The enemy wants to come in and to quiet us, to try to get us to live small and to shrink back, to remove our passion, to remove our boldness, to remove that thing that drives us and gets us excited about things and, and putting our energy and our life into them. God's called you to have an impact. And if you pull back and there's no passion in there, then you're not letting God lead because he'll fire you up. He'll get you excited. He'll give you vision. You'll be excited. It's not that it's easy. It's not that it's without struggle, but that it's, there's this joy. There's this thing that, man, I've got a reason to live and this enemy's coming in and just bringing all this anxiety and depression and calling us to live back and live a passionless life. To get right at home, there ought to be some passion, some excitement about what God is doing in us and through us. 
See, as God is rebuilding us from the inside out, our heart, our new heart, will help us to see in a new way. Last week, there was um, this kind of weird fog here in San Angelo, and, and, um, and it just, um, just moved. And so and I thought the fog was gone. I thought it had lifted and drove a little ways and then drove into the fog. And I was like, well, that's just, that's just weird. I'm not used to that here in San Angelo. And, and the fog was just moving. And then all of a sudden, I just kind of had this little prophetic stirring that it was just this image that part of our community could see clearly and part of our community could not. And it was because of this fog. It was because of this thing that got in the way and hindered that being able to see out at a distance and see vision and, and be able to, to do that, it was, it was limited. But as it was moving, there was this gentle breeze that was pushing it. It wasn't a strong wind that was just dissipating it and knocking it off. It was just this gentle breeze that was just moving it. And just reminded that the Greek word for spirit, Holy Spirit, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. And pneuma just means air. You've heard of pneumatic tools, they're air-driven tools. You and I are called to have pneumatic lives, spirit-driven, air-driven lives. And all of a sudden, we'll invite God into our homes, invite God into our lives, that fog that can get in there. The wind of the spirit will just move it out allow vision to be reborn, allow us to be able to see that God's got a plan for us and our family and our households. And we can boldly declare like Joshua says, as for me and my household, we're gonna serve the Lord. My neighbor might choose something different. My, my siblings might choose something different. My entire family might choose something different, but as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna embrace what God is doing in our lives. Ephesians chapter one, Paul writes and says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. You have a hope, you have an inheritance, you have power. We just need to see it. We just need to be able to see that we've got it. That's what we need the Holy Spirit for. It's already ours. First Timothy 1, verses five and six says, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk. He's talking about believers who've walked away from the sincerity of inviting God into the fullness of their lives and now they're just talking the religious talk. They talk the Christian stuff, but they're not inviting it in. They're not living it out. And so what we wanna do is we wanna do something different than that. On the way out, we have a little gift. We got a little dry erase marker. I want to give everybody one of these on your way out. And I want you to take it home. And I want you to use it to do the opposite of meaningless talk. I want you to write some meaningful words on a mirror, on some sort of space in your home that you're going to see all this week. Just leave it up for a week. If you want to leave it up longer, that's fine. But I'm going to ask you to leave it up for a week and write it. And maybe it's a word. Maybe it's the word peace. Maybe it's the word hope. 
I don't know. Maybe it's a part of a worship song. Maybe it's a scripture. Maybe it's a prayer. I, I, I don't know. But I just need you, I want to ask you, to do some meaningful words. To begin to have a, a concrete action. To say, God, we want to be right at home. We choose you. We choose you. We're going to follow you. And just whatever the Holy Spirit stirs on your heart, just begin Maybe it's unity. Maybe you've just been a lot of fighting in your home. Just declare unity over your home. Peace over your home. And I'll grab one of these on the way out and write some meaningful words. See, our bottom line is this. Is you have to start from a new heart. And we're getting an opportunity for that. Right here and now. If we can just create a quiet moment and you're here and you're ready to place your faith in what? Jesus has done, not trying harder, doing better, trying to grab that steering wheel and just make things go straight, but really yield to him and let him give you a new heart and do the inner work that produces the outer result. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.